Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Let's look this morning at Romans chapter 12, 1 verse, verse 21. The Bible says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, It's Time to Overcome. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word, God. Thank you for your spirit. And I pray now, God, by your spirit that you'd anoint me to say the things that would honor you. God, I pray you'd strengthen my body, anoint my mouth and my mind to speak to your people. God, I pray that today you would give us ears to hear what you have to say to us. And we ask you to be our teacher by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. It's time to overcome. Every year we put, put together a theme uh, I pray and I ask God, what is an area of concentration spiritually that can kind of keep me locked in throughout the year? The Bible says we ought to discern the times and know the seasons. And so for each year, God has always given our church a theme. And our theme for 2021 is it's time. And I'd love that theme because here's what I know for sure. The devil wants you to procrastinate. If you're saved, he can't steal your, your salvation. He, he, he can't stop you from getting to heaven, but he can stumble you on your way. If you're saved, he can't halt the work of God in your life, but he can hinder it if you allow him to. And I believe one of the greatest tools that the enemy uses in the life of people is procrastination. Procrastination will cause you to say, once this happens, I'm going to do this. Once that happens, I'm going to do that. Once I change to this job, I'm going to be all that God wants me to be. I'm going to start reading my Bible when the new year comes along. A after we get through spring break, I'm going to start praying. After this, I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I'm going to do. And going to do is a make-believe land that gets nothing done. And it's the playground of the devil because the devil wants to keep you locked in on what you're going to do or what you used to do, and not what you're doing. And God is a right now God, and you need to be doing something for God right now. And that's why when we talk about it's time, I can assure you, sir, ma'am, young person, it is time for you to do and to be all that God has called you to do and to be. It is time, if you're ever going to be uh, a praying believer, now's your time. If you're ever going to be a, a, a true disciple of Christ, now is your time. And we want to look at this concept today in this uh, sermon, it's time to overcome. Because here's what I know for sure. If you don't pay attention to what's going on, life will pass you by. And it's been said by so many people, and it's true. Nobody ever got to the end of their life and said, man, I sure wish I would have taken one more overtime shift at work and made that time and a half. It's not what people say. No, nobody gets to the end of their life and says, I, I, I wish I would have banked five more dollars in my lifetime people get to the end of their life and they all have the same thoughts in their mind where did the time go how how did it fly by so quickly and i'm gonna tell you what i've told you before let me tell you how time goes by one minute at a time 
One hour at a time, one day at a time, one week at a time, one month at a time. Listen, days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months, months turn into years. And before you know it, your baby girl will be turning 18 years old. Isn't that right? Uh, and, and before you know it, you'll be turning, uh, you hit 76 yet, Ken? Before you know it, you'll be 76 years old. And you're, th- and you're thinking, ooh, I'll never be that old. I can remember, some of y'all old like me, I can remember uh, the movie, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Now, to, to all us born uh, in the 60s, um, I was born in 1963, and, you know, 2001 seemed like, you know, way off, and we were just sure there were going to be flying cars, and it was going to be the, the age of the Jetsons. Well, it kind of is the age of the Jetsons. Y'all remember Betty and whatever they go, was it Betty, his wife, Jane? Jane and her friend uh, talked to each other on the screen, and they could see each other. But because they were lazy women, how many of y'all remember? They held up faces with their hair and makeup. They held up sticks with the faces, pictures of them with their makeup done, uh, and when their hair was really all wild and crazy. But we just thought 2001. I remember thinking about it. I thought, man, 2001. I'll be 38 years old. I'll be dead by then. <laughs> no way living to be 38 years old. And now here I am at 58. And 2001 has, has been a long time ago. What am I telling you? Days turn into weeks. Weeks turn into months. Months turn into years. And years turn into decades. And everybody in this room is going to, at some point in their life, wonder where all the time went. Make the best of the time. The Bible says redeem the time for the days are evil. You have one life to live. There's no reset button on this life. There's, there's no do-over on this life. This isn't a practice run. This is your life. And you ought to wake up every day and decide, I'm going to live on purpose today. I'm going to live on mission today. I'm going to make the best out of this day that I have. You made a great choice today. Many chose to stay home and, 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 and not to be in the Lord's house. You came today, and I, I applaud you for that. But it is time for us to overcome. Our opening verse says, Do not overcome evil, but overcome evil with good. I do not need anybody in the room to be overly intelligent to figure out we live in evil times. We live in days, if you just even casually watch the news you you will be sure we live in not just evil times historically evil times times that would have made our grandparents wigs fall off times that are just so shockingly unbelievable that it it is just almost inhuman the 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 degradation that has happened to the moral fabric of the world in this generation i've been i've been working on this message all week long praying about it getting it down into my spirit uh not overcoming not being overcome by evil but by overcoming evil with good i shared with the staff this morning every sunday morning before uh church starts i pray with the deacons and the elders and i shared with them something that to me just i it, I, I don't know if it shocked me wounded me, cut me deep. I mean, it, 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 it just blew, blew me away that on the L train outside of Philadelphia, in Upper Darby, Philadelphia, a suburb of Philadelphia, um, Friday night at 11 o'clock with a train full of riders, a woman got raped and no one did a thing. 
a woman screaming, being raped on a train full of passengers, and no one even dialed 911. And this is where we're at as a country. Animals won't watch and let that happen. What, what kind, I, I told the staff, every man on that train that called himself a man should, should, uh, should be incarcerated at this point for aiding and abetting a rapist. Um, I mean, I, mo, mo, most good women I know would have jumped in and just started snatching his head loose. What kind of society are we where people just sit there and watch something like a defenseless woman being raped on a public transit? I had to look that up, SEPTA. I don't know any Philly people in the house. Anybody know what SEPTA means? Uh, we all going to, huh? Somebody say something? You're just guessing. See, it's southeastern Pennsylvania Transit Authority, smarty pants. And everybody knows what MARTA is. That's, that's Atlanta. Uh, if you, if you want to know what the locals think MARTA is, see me after church and I'll tell you. But this thing, the thought of something like that happening, but then it took my mind back to about 10, 15 years ago, there was a, a thing in Jacksonville. A man got on a bus at the bus station downtown, had a wrench in his pocket, walked up to the first person he saw and beat them, not just beat them, beat them to death, took another man's life on a bus full of people who sat there and did nothing. Do you understand we live in some evil times? Do you understand that evil is alive and, and, and flourishing in the world today? And the Bible says that we should not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We're going to look at that in just a moment, but I want to back up from verse 21 and get some context starting in Romans 12, 17, just a few verses before our opening verse. Uh, listen to the word of the Lord. In Romans 12, 17, the Bible says, Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Now, I was all ready to preach this sermon, and then when, I, then when I heard that report Friday night on the news, Saturday morning on the news of what had happened, I thought, in my mind, immediately in my mind, uh, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just seeing myself. Uh, you know, the guy's distracted. He, he's doing a horrible crime. Uh, there, there's just 42 different ways uh, I, I could have I kicked him in the back of his head, um, I, I could have just reached down there and, and put him in a triangle chokehold. I just could have just kept stomping him in his face till he fell asleep. Um, I, I could have walked up behind him and just gouged his eyes out, put my thumb right through his skull socket. I mean, I'm just thinking all these things, and then God hits me back with never pay back evil with more evil. And that, you know, I have to take the Bible seriously. So I had to sit down and think about that, and I shared it with the elders and the deacons this morning. And here's the contextual thing, because here's the reality. Let me say this to everybody in the room. If you see somebody harming someone who can't defend himself, and you have the physical capacity to stop it, I believe it's incumbent on you to stop it. Okay? Um, but that's not you paying back evil for evil in this context. This is talking about things done to you. Now, the Bible tells us if somebody hits you, that you ought to turn the other cheek and let them hit you. But the Bible also talks about justice in the Bible and shows good triumphing over evil constantly. So I thought, oh, well, praise the Lord, God, you still let me get this man uh, off this woman. Um, 
because I'm thinking about, well, I'll pay, I'll pay him back with some good, some, some good hands, some good beat down, and some good feet. Okay, now let's get that out of our mind and get into the scripture. This isn't talking about you defending another human being. This isn't talking about you doing something honorable for someone else. This is talking about the way to respond when people have done evil to you. And so many times we see in Scripture what I call and have taught to you for many years a counterculture. The kingdom of God is a counterculture. It goes contrary so many times to what our first instinct is. Because most people know uh, if you don't start none, what? But if you mess with the bull, you get... I mean, that's just the way we are raised in this world that... Uh, if you mess with me, I'm going to mess with you back. But that's not Christianity. That, that, that's natural living. And I hope you've come to the place in your life where you understand God has a higher calling for his children. God has a way that is not always our way. So we've got to learn how to think like God. The Bible says in the book of Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, to have his thoughts, to have his attitudes, to have his outlook, to see things the way God sees things. And when you have been wronged, I don't care how aggressive or, or how passive your personality is, there is something in the heart of a human being that when you've been done wrong, there's a part of you that wants to get them back. And I want you to know that part of you is not the God inside you. That's the you inside you. That's why when people tell me, Pastor Scott, work was stressful this week. I almost gave this woman a piece of my mind. I tell them then and I'll tell you now, the world does not need a piece of our mind. They need us to have the mind of Christ and to show Jesus everywhere we go. And so when somebody, and this is one of the hardest truths in the Bible, when somebody does you wrong, you're not supposed to do them wrong back. The Bible says to, to pray for God's blessings on your enemies. Do you see how contrary that is to what you feel on the inside of you? Uh, I, I know some people are like, I'll pray for them while I'm beating them. That's not Christianity. That's humanity. And we need to elevate from natural state of living to the Christ state of living that God put his spirit in us to allow us to do that. So if you don't hear anything else this morning, I want you to hear this. Resist your natural inclination and choose Christ. Resist your, your, your first move. Think about it. And many times you're just going to have to learn to go the other way. Because a lot of this counterculture com commands us to go the other way because we want to do certain things. But the Bible clearly tells us when it comes to our enemies, we're supposed to love them and pray for them. Now, I just wish I had, uh, I, I just wish I had a uh, love o meter. Y'all know I got all these o meters. I want to measure stuff. I'm a statistician, and I just take it out, hang it on JJ's neck, and see when it comes to his enemies, where that love, hate, where that, where that, I'll leave it to the Lord, and I'll bash their head in with my, I just want to see where, and I just go all the way around the room, all, all the way back to Elder Keon, and I just, where, where are you when it comes to loving your enemies? Well, you don't know what they did to me. God doesn't give us an excuse. If they did us wrong, he doesn't give us an excuse to take it into our own hands. Well, you don't know what they did to, you know, to de they deserve it. 
Listen, if we want to live on what folk deserve, none of us deserve God. None of us deserve heaven. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the punishment, the payment, the penalty, the wage for sin is death to be separated from God forever. We don't need to be talking about what people deserve to get. We ought to be talking about forgiveness and mercy. The Bible says freely you receive, freely ought you to give. Do you know God didn't wait on us to get better to forgive us? He didn't wait on us to deserve forgiveness, to give us forgiveness. And we need to learn how to live out Scripture. It's great to come to church, um, but, you know, lost people can come to church. It's great to read your Bible, but lost people can read their Bible. It's great to quote Scripture, but lost people can quote Scripture. You know, you know where the rubber meets the road is when you really start living this out. So I want you to think about how good are you at not paying back evil with more evil? The Bible says do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. One of the greatest compliments you'll ever get as a Christian if this ever happens for you, you ought to rejoice and give God praise. If it ever happens to where something goes down and somebody tells you, wow, you must really be one of them real Christians because if they had did me that way, mm, are you hearing me? That, that's a compliment to your spirituality that some people may never grow into that level. But we've got to not only hear the Scripture, not only believe the Scripture, but we've got to obey the scripture. The Bible says that you're blessed in your deed. That's why I'm not in this name it, claim it, blab it and grab it, foolishness. Call those things that be not as though they are. If you read that the way it's written, don't leave it out. Don't cherry pick it. It says God who calls those things that be not as though they are. God can speak something out of nothing. If these preachers that are preaching that on television could really do that, they would call dust money and quit begging little old ladies to send in their Social Security checks on television. Now, I'm preaching better than y'all are staring at me. If human beings could call those things that be not as though they are, they'd call their bills paid, and they wouldn't have to keep worrying about how they're going to get their rent done this month. Nowhere in the Bible do you see this, I declare and I decree $700,000 for me. Is but you got people doing it in, in churches all across America. I see this foolishness online all the time. Have faith in God. I, I, I saw it. I read it to Dina yesterday. This lady put on her Facebook, have, have faith in God. He is going to send you $8,000 before the sun goes down. <laughs> this is not Christianity. That's voodoo. That's, that's witchcraft. There, there's no Christianity in that. What, I mean, if she'd have said, have faith in God, your, 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 uh, your fellowship is going to be tested today, and you have a chance to shine for Jesus, I'd have said amen. But he's going to send you $8,000. Now, you know, if you know me well, I want to call the woman. I at least want to, you know, message her and say, did you get your eight grand? I didn't get mine. Right, me either. And, but, and then she'd have said, well, your faith was weak. But you didn't get yours either. Craziness. Craziness. We've got to get to the place where we're not just talking about it, where we're not just declaring 
things, where we're actually living things. Because the world doesn't need to see one more person. I told y'all before, and, and this, is, this, is, this is my go-to every time I think about this. The dude, the preacher, my overly charismatic preacher friend, who was riding in the car with me, sneezing on my dash. Okay? Now, if you ever ride with me, don't cross your legs put your feet up on my dash. That ain't your dash. That's my dash. You don't need your feet on my dash, and you surely don't need to be blowing snot and spit all over my windshield and my dashboard. Okay? So, after about the third time he did it, I said, uh, is this, is this an allergy? You got some kind of cold flu? Uh, here's what he said. Loose here, devil. I, I reject that in Jesus' name. I am whole and not sick. By his stripes I am healed, and none of these diseases shall come nigh unto me. I said, well, that's a whole lot of mouthful to say while you're while you sneezing and spitting all over my dash. How about none of your snot come nigh unto my windshield next time you blow out in my car? Now, He's all he's doing what he's been told to do, but how many of y'all know all that lip flapping didn't have anything to do with the fact that he was still sneezing? Snot running down both nose, look, look, looked like he death warmed over, but he wasn't willing to say he didn't feel good because somebody told him, All I have to do is say I'm whole and I won't be sick. When the Bible says, if you're sick, Pray that God will heal you. Go to the elders. Let them pray for you. Not just, I declare and I decree no more sickness for me. That's lip service. We got to get to the place where the rubber meets the road. The, the world needs to see some proof text to somebody truly following God. And I'm going to tell you something. When you stop paying back evil for evil, the world will take notice. And they, they will, here's another great compliment you can get. I hope somebody tells you this or you hear somebody say this about you where, where they say, well, I don't believe. The way she believes, but I can tell she believes it. She's for real about that. We got to get to the place where people understand that we are truly following, not just in word only, but in deed, because the Bible says you're blessed in your doing. If you want God to bless you, you, you got you to start living out what we profess. So stop paying back evil for evil. That's the most natural thing something can do. Now, Elder Jimmy told me he's getting better with his road rage. So I appreciate everybody. I'm not going to make you raise your hand. I know, I know at least four of y'all were praying for him. <laughs> praying you wouldn't be on the road with him. He said he's doing, doing better. But if some of y'all just have that spirit in you. Some car trying to get over at the last. You hugging, but not here today. You ain't cutting me off. And because and, and, somebody cut you off in your lifetime, and you're like, I'll never let anybody in front of me again. Do you see how silly that is? Because he's coming over. He's coming over in an F-250 with 7,000 pounds on a flatbed. And you're like, he ain't coming up. Yes, he is. Better learn how to let God be your guide and, and, and start practicing what you preach. It's so funny. Everybody wants the preacher to practice what he preaches. When are you going to practice what you preach? Let's keep going. You got to do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Now, I've told you for years what the statistics say people say. Uh, you've probably heard it in your own life. The number one reason that people that don't go to church don't go to church, they say, I don't want to go to church because the church is full of what? Hypocrites. And, and, and that is the number one thing people, well, I'm not going down. That church is full of hypocrites. Well, the Bible says everyone's a hypocrite. And in some regard, everyone is 
a hypocrite in that no one other than Jesus does everything that they say that they should do. Now, y'all know, y'all been around me, you know. If somebody messes up and tells me, I don't go to church because all them hypocrites at church. I'm like, well, you go to Walmart. Bunch of hypocrites up in Walmart. You go to Winn-Dixie. Publix food line, wherever you get your groceries, you, Walmart, wherever you, wherever you shop, there's hypocrites there. That doesn't keep anybody out of there. And then if I feel like that didn't get them enough, I'll say, you go to your house. <laughs> you walk in your bathroom and look in the mirror. Oh, uh, if, hey, if you can't say amen, say ouch. You go to, you go to grandmama's birthday party. You go to your child's birthday party. Hypocrites shouldn't keep you out. That's just a sad excuse. Um, I, I, there's a better excuse than that. I heard one preacher say, a lot of people don't go to church because they've been to church and they didn't like what they saw. Now, that is an ouch to the church for sure. Because the reality is, if people can't find honorable living inside the body of Christ, then we are depleted of all ability to reach our world for Christ. I know there are people in this room that want to see our city change for God, want to see our world change for God, but I've told you so many times, and it remains true today, change starts with you, one person at a time. you got to start with that person in the mirror, and you got to make them change. If you, want, if you want there to be change, this is profound, this is deep, don't miss it. If you want there to be change in this world, then change, and there'll be change in the world. Start living an honorable life so all the world can see that Jesus makes a difference. So many people don't want what we say we have because if I was unsaved and I was looking at the average churchgoer, hypocrite, liar, busted, disgusted, can't be trusted, didn't have two nickels to rub together, stressed out on drugs and alcohol, I would look at them and say, I don't want your kind of religion. I mean, I look at some of these false religions. They, they, they follow God, or, or not God, they follow rules and regulations way better. How about them J-dubs, man? What in the world? They get up every Saturday and go knocking on people's door, harassing folk at 9 o'clock in the morning. By the way, if you knock on my door at 9 o'clock in the morning, I'm not even going to be upset with you because I'm not going to budge. I'm not, I'm not even going to come check. I don't, I don't have Jehovah. I don't talk to Jehovah Witnesses at my door at 9 o'clock in the morning because if you want to see me, you better call first. They go out and they spread their religion, and they're not even indwelt by the Holy Spirit. They just self-motivate to go and live what they say they believe. I want to tell you something. It's time for the blood-bought church to rise up and start living what we believe, quit paying back evil for evil, and start living an honorable life so people can say there's truth in that religion. Verse 18 says, Oh, I love this verse. You got to get this. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now, I got to throw my addendum at you because you've heard it before, but so many times in the Bible when it says man or men, it's not being gender specific. Sometimes it is. Many times it's not. This is one of those times that it's not. Uh, now, you know, if you're a woman, you're like, mm, can't live at peace with no man. They're just barbaric. Well, we could talk about that, but this isn't specifying. This isn't gender specific. This is talking about people, all humans. If it is 
possible. Now, somebody tell me that's been around for a while, somebody got good common sense and knows how to understand the Bible. When the Bible says, if it is possible, what's God telling us? It ain't always possible. Some people just are on their own lane. Some people just, just, you know, better left alone. But if it is possible, and here is the catchphrase, and this is why you need to learn to read the Bible paying attention to the punctuation. It will perfect your understanding. Read and pay attention to all the punctuation. Take the Bible in phrases, bite-sized pieces, so you can get it down in your spirit and understand it. If it is possible. Well, sometimes it will be, sometimes it won't be. But here's the catchphrase. As much as depends on you, live peaceably with all human beings. Live peaceably. I love the fact that God put this verse in the Bible because I'm going to tell you something. I've been in the people business for over 40 years, and there's just some people you just can't live peaceably with. There's some people you can, you can tell them you forgive them. There's some people you can truly forgive them. There's some people you can try to reconcile with. There's some people that you can give grace, give grace, give grace to, and it is just not possible. Some of y'all have family members like that. You've tried to get right with your family. You've tried to restore, reconcile. You've tried to uh, come back to oneness with them, and they are just not having it. If you've had something between you and another human being, it's up to you to try to live at peace with them. It's up to you to seek reconciliation with them. It's up to you to ask them to forgive you. The Bible says that if you come to the altar to pray and you remember somebody got something against you, you ought to first go and try to make it right with them. That's as much as you can do. But if they're not having it, you did your part. Say my part. As much as it depends on you, you've got a part. And they've got a part, but you got to learn how to be at peace with people. If the body of Christ could just lay down all of its offense, well, I'm offended. I'm so tired of people being offended at church. Uh, th this dude, John Bevere, made a hundred gazillion dollars. He wrote a book called The Spirit of Offense, and it's real. It is real. It is the plan of the devil to, to get people to go, hmm, I just don't know. I'm thinking about finding a different church to go to. Uh, Elder Jimmy talked to everybody but me. I'm offended. Oh, I, I, I thought Miss Dina was supposed to be nice representing the church administrator. Uh, I, I saw her roll her eyes at me. Maybe she had something in her eye. Mm. Pastor walked by me, didn't even shake my hand. I might have been about to pass out. And I didn't want to fall on you. I might have been so nauseous I was about to vomit. I didn't want to get it on your shoes. People always look, well, I'm just offended. I, 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 I expected better. That's where you messed up. Who told you to expect better out of human beings? Well, that's what the church, no. The church says it's a fool that puts his trust in the arm of the flesh because the arm of the flesh will fail you to trust no man but trust in the Lord only. You start putting men and women on pedestals, you have set yourself up for failure. So many people, I remember when Jimmy Swaggart finally came out and told the world what he was about. At that point, he was the most broadcast preacher in the world. He had more airtime, radio and TV time, than anyone before him or since him has ever had. And so many people are like, I'll never go back to that church. They did the same thing when Jim Baker fell. They did the same thing when the next one gonna, gonna fall. 
why in the world would you stop serving God because some human being did something wrong? Mm. You just, ah, well, I'm offended. I thought, I just thought, I just thought I could expect better out of Deacon Dixon. Why? Why, why, why? If he's not the one holding you up, how could he ever let you down? It ought to be the Lord holding you up, not a human being. Now, now we want everybody to, 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 to act right, do right, live right, give right, be right, serve right, and, and, and follow all the ways of God. But it depends on you to be at peace with people. And if they won't be at peace with you, then you've done your part. But stop walking around. I, I've had so many pe people I've heard left other churches, left this church. I, I'm just offended. Uh, that so-and-so did such and such. Here's what I've never heard. Now, you be the first one. Call me, write me, text me, and let me, because I've never heard anybody say, I'm just offended at myself. Now, I never heard that one yet. Yeah, I never heard anybody say, my, my personal lack of holiness offends me. I'm never going to go to my house again. I'm not going to my home with myself anymore. I'm not even getting in my car with myself anymore because I'm offended at my own lack of prayer. I'm offended at my own lack of evangelism. I never heard anybody say, I'm so offended at myself because I've never led anybody to Jesus Christ. I'm just letting all my family and friends die and go to hell. Never heard that one yet. Oh, but they're all offended. They're all offended. Uh, Deacon, Deacon Ken, that old man. Call, hey, pastor called him Uncle Ken. He ain't even related to that old man. I'm offended. He don't call me uncle. Who told you you were that important? Who told you that, that, that you, you were uh, the bee's knees? Who told you? that? I mean, people just want to be in their bunnet, and, and they want to get their behind up on their shoulders. Why? Because the devil knows if he can get you offended at somebody else, you will stop realizing how whack you are. That's why we compare ourselves to each other. And the Bible says when we compare ourselves to ourselves, we become unwise. Nobody in this room is the standard of righteousness other than Jesus Christ. We all should be following him and living honorably. But if you're going to let people put a bee in your bonnet, your bonnet is going to be filled with bees. We got to get to the place where as much as we can handle it, we live. At Listen, if people act whack to you, just consider the source. They're a human being. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know the kind of week they might have had. Walked past me, didn't say hello to me. I'll never go back. Okay. okay. Well, do you, but you won't be doing it the right way because the Bible commands us to be at peace with all people. That's friends and haters. The Bible is full of verses that tell us to love our enemies, to pray for our enemies, to do good to our enemies. And this is not easy word to follow, but it's God's word. Look at verse 19. The Bible says, Dear friends, never take revenge. I have seen people who have three by five cards with scripture written down on them. Some people leave them in their cars. Some people carry them in their Bibles. Some people put little sticky notes on their mirror so they'll remember Bible verses. I've never seen anybody have a sticky note on, on their dashboard that said, never take revenge. But you should. You should, you should write that down. You should remember that. Be, why, why would God say to dear friends? Now, what type of people is he talking to when he says dear friends? 
Christians, God is talking to Christians. Why would God tell saved, sanctified, fire baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, Jesus loving, devil hating, Bible quoting, scripture toting people, why would he tell that group of people never take revenge? Because it is in us. Oh, my goodness. Now, now especially in women. Amen. Can we be honest for three seconds in church? I'm going to be. You, you fake it if you want to. There's a reason why God gave strength primarily. Size and strength. Now, now, that's not to say every man is big and strong. That's not to say every woman is small and weak. But there is no debating that God primarily gave size and strength to males. If you don't believe me, all you equality feminists, I, I, I tell you what, I, I am for it. They, they want to let these men dress up as women and, and, and run track with women in the name of equality. They want women to be able to say, well, I can do anything a man can say. I'm for all for equality. Let's put a woman in a steel cage with the world's heavyweight champion MMA fighter, and let's just let it go and see how it happens. Let's put the WNBA. WNBA is all over the news this week complaining. It's just not fair. The men are paid more. Uh, women's soccer all over the news this past year. It's, we need equality of pay. We need to be. Listen, let's, I'm all for equality. Let's just mix it. Let's put, let's put all the women, uh, let's let them try out. Let's just do away with men's basketball and women's basketball if all genders are the same. And let's just let all the women try out and see how many of them can make an NBA roster or open well that's not fair men are bigger and strong well you rejected it when I said men were bigger and stronger or let's just flip it let's let men try out for the WNBA because I promise you Michael Jordan could still go hang a hundred on them Dominique come out of retirement and get at least 70 People act like they, they don't want to believe it. But I, I'm telling you, the truth's the truth anyhow. And God primarily gave size and strength to men. Why? Because if women had it, we wouldn't even have a planet left. <laughs> Not even close. And, 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 and the big, strong women are like, you better believe that. You let a woman get in charge. Listen, men can play football. And some of y'all, y'all, y'all don't know about football. Y'all don't, y'all, don't, y'all don't know about. These people line up across from each other in the NFL, big, giant men. I'm talking about 350-pound men that could lift this building on their back. And, and they spit on each other, eye gouge each other, talk about each other's mama, call each other racial pejoratives for three and a half hours, go at it tooth and nail, and when it's all over, slap each other on the butt, take a knee, pray together, hug each other, and walk off. Isn't that right? Now, let's just, let's just flip that around for a minute. Let's just entertain some, 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 some real thinking. What if women lined up from each other, cussed each other out, talked about each other's kids, eye-gouged each other, hair-pulled each other, called each other racial? There wouldn't even be a game. They wouldn't even wait till the end of the game to see if they were going to pray for There would be trouble. Whoo, I'm going to tell you what. I don't live off cliches, but some of them are just real. Whoever came up with hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, well, that's realer than real deal Holyfield. You rather, you, you, listen, you can go, if you're crazy, 
and you just feel like you got to slap a bear, slap a man bear. Don't slap a woman bear. If you just feel like you got to hurt, hurt a, a, a little bear cub, make sure the mama ain't around nowhere. Because you'll find out real, women don't let it go. When, hey, you, you get on the wrong side of it, and, and it is trouble. And, and, and so this is talking to men and women, friends. And be like, be like some of y'all's favorite preacher out of Houston. Take, friends, God loves you, and we're so glad you came to Lakewood. And we just want you to never take revenge. Listen, never take revenge, ladies. And men, I'm telling you, there's three women in this room right now saying, well, I got the size and the strength right now. That broke back, broke neck, old man, I promise you. <laughs> I know, you're just evil to the bone. Why, God let you be a woman. Men and women never take re- God's telling his dear friends not to do it because it's in us. It's in us. It's in us to take things into our own hands, but that is not God's way. And then he gives some real clarity to help us because God created us. He knows us inside and out. He knows us inside and out. He knows what makes us tick. He knows what winds us up. He knows how uh, God is a good father. You know, every good parent knows how to get through to their children. I got two sons. I, I deal with them differently. I'm trying to get through to them. There's, you you, you got to know your own child. God knows his children. And after telling us not to take revenge, knowing that that's the first thought in most of our minds, he says, leave that to the righteous anger of God. Period. That's a complete thought. You've got to think about that. Leave all that revenge to God. That is counterproductive to what most of us want. Just let me handle it. One, uh, just leave me in a room with them for five minutes, Lord. No. No. Those are the two hard sentences. And then he shows how well he knows us. He says, for the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Now, here's the reality. This appeals to your lower nature because God knows we all have a lower nature. This appeals to your need for vengeance. And God knows that there is this need on the inside of us. But he says, leave it to me. Now, uh, if, if Elder J- can you still take, you, 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 can you still take Andrew, all of them, at the same time? <laughs> Could you still take your dad bod having Navy son, Andrew? Okay, now I know that for sure. Okay, I, I've, I've known Andrew his whole life. Uh, he don't have nearly the rage issues that his daddy has, although he has some. But... And, and that's the determiner, honestly, in a fight. It's not size and strength. It, it, it's technique and rage. The one who wants it the most is going to get it, uh, and he's just meaner than his son. But if Nancy had been done wrong by somebody, and let, let, let's just say, you know, for, for, for Andrew's sense of manhood, a- Andrew was, you know, 12, and he said, I'll get him for you, Mommy. And then, and, and then Elder Jimmy's sitting there, and he said, you want me to handle this, or you want Andrew to handle this? Now, how many of y'all know she really wants that person done in? Send, send the grown-up 
to do the doing in, right? Now, here's, here's what is appealing to the lower nature, and I don't want you to miss this because the Bible is a specific book, and we need to understand it specifically. And God is asking some hard things of his children, but then he gives this little caveat. He gives this little self-appeasement. He gives this, uh, this help to our lower nature because if you ever realize that God said, I'm going to handle that, you'd be like, he's going to do them a whole lot worse than I would do them. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and leave them into the hands of a God. The Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. God is your father. And listen, uh, if you didn't grow up in my day and time, I feel sorry for you because America still hadn't gotten over the 80s. If you don't believe me, go into any restaurant. They're still playing. They, they ain't playing none of this new music, uh, everything. You can't even watch TV. You can't even flip through the channels without Friends or Seinfeld being on somewhere. The world just hasn't moved past, past my growing-up days. But if you didn't grow up in my generation, you missed out on some of the greatest television in the world by, by a show called Good Times. Y'all don't call him J.J. based on J.J. Walker, do you? He ain't skinny. I understand that. You ever seen J.J. Walker? You know about that. Okay, raised by good people. See, that's what happens. Raise up your children right. The Bible says train them up the way they should go when they're old they won't depart from it. J.J., kid dynamite. Oh, man, I'm telling you, as a small child, I was scared of John Amos. The character, John John Amos. John Amos. When he would slap his hand down on the table and stand up, Florida, I'm tired of it. Scared me all the way through my living room. I thought, ooh, he's tired of it. Florida better shut up. But when J.J. was getting in some mess like he was always getting in some mess, I don't know how many of y'all seen him. J.J. was a coward and, and, and unable to defend himself. But on those few occasions on good times where his dad would be in the room and somebody act like they want to start something, J.J. would be all like this. Because he knew if his daddy was going to handle it, that was way more damage than he would be able to do on his own. And you need to learn how to leave your enemies in the hands of the Lord. You need to learn how to leave people who harmed you in the hand of the Lord because God said, I will take revenge. He didn't say, I might take revenge. He said, I will take revenge. He didn't say, maybe I will pay them back. He said, I will pay them back. One of the greatest sermons in the history of preaching was preached by the great preacher R.G. Lee, and it was titled, Payday Someday. And that, ser that sermon was all to appeal. Not great exegesis, but it was all to appeal to the lower nature. Because the point of the sermon was, some of y'all been doing right for a long time, and you haven't been rewarded for it, and you're wondering when you're going to get your blessing. There's a payday coming someday. And the other point he made was, some of y'all been wondering when so-and-so, when Ray-Ray Pookie and them are going to get theirs, because they've been doing dirt and shade forever, and they've never gotten in trouble. You got a, a crazy brother who's doing better than you, and he don't even love God. And, you, and he said, there's a payday for him too. The Bible says one day God is going to make every crooked path straight, and he's going to shine a light on everything, and everybody's going to get their reward. Man, if you understand half of what I just said, not only will you be willing to leave your persecutors in the hands of the Lord, you'll find compassion on them. I don't wish hell on anybody. 
I don't wish God's vengeance on anybody. And I've had some people do me dirty in my life. But I know, man, God said he will pay them back. Listen, God can handle it better than you can. Stop trying to avenge yourself. Stop trying to take revenge for yourself. Stop trying to handle your own situation and do like J.J. did. Let Dad step up and handle it. He can handle it better than we can. Verse 20 says, therefore. Now, when the Bible says, therefore, I've told you so many times, when, when you read the, the word therefore, you got to stop and wonder what's that word there for. And what it means is because of everything that I've just said, because of all those things I've just told you, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Semicolon. you got to think about this. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Now, I don't know about you, but that is the most unnatural thing I could possibly imagine to hear. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine coming home all bloodied and beaten? Three bullies at school jumped you. You come in and tell mom, they beat me up, mom. They stole my shoes. They took my money. They, 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 the, the, the notebook you gave me, they stole. Now, the average mom is not thinking, oh, wow, baby, let's make them a sandwich. Maybe they're hungry. Why don't we just put a buffet together for them? I'll, I'll cook steak and shrimp. It's not, that's not the first thought that goes through, and this is why I'm trying to get you to understand counterculture. That's why I'm trying to get you to understand your first reaction might not be the right reaction. If your enemy is hungry, well, we'll march on them and protest. Now, there's a time for marching and protesting, but there's also a time for obeying Scripture, and the Bible says if your enemy is hungry, feed him. This is so counterproductive that some of y'all will just throw your hands up in there and say, well, that ain't never going to be me. Preach a different verse, preacher. I'll try to catch up to another one. No one is exempt from obeying the Word of God. No one who claims to be a child of the Father is exempt from obeying the Word of God. If you told your son, put your shoes in your bedroom, or your daughter, put your shoes in your bedroom and take the trash out. And they looked at you and like, I'll take the trash out, but them shoes going to stay where I put them. <laughs> How many of y'all know that doesn't work it that way in my house? Uh, why do you think God is into partial obedience? God is not looking for partial obedience. God is looking for his children to do what he tells them to do. And he said, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. This, this flies contrary to your lower nature. That's why we got to learn how to rise up to our new nature. Scripture says, if he's thirsty, give him a drink. And, and you know, some, some of y'all think, yeah, I'm going to feed him. The right hand of Christian fellowship. And I'm going to give him a drink, all that blood flowing out of his mouth. That's not Christianity. That's humanity. Look at what it says. For in so, for in so doing... You will heap coals of fire on his head. I believe this is one of, the, one of the worst taught verses in all of Scripture. This phrase, heap coals of fire on his head. Now, if you've been around for a while, you know when I read the Bible, I read every verse in at least six to ten different translations because I want to see all of the different versions of Scripture. And one of my favorite go-to versions uh, is the New Living Translation. I recommend it when people ask me for a Bible. I always recommend the Life Application Study Bible in the New Living Translation. It's a high-quality translation. It's awesome. But it is the only translation out of the 14 that I looked at 
when, when preparing for this message that said a different word for the word coals. Thirteen other versions said heap coals of fire, heap coals of fire. The New Living says heap shame. And I've told you, if 13 versions say it one way and one version says it the other way, you probably ought to go with the first way. Uh, because the New Living went with the common teaching in this verse. And this is what most people teach. Oh, I know what I should do. I'll be so nice to them, it'll just shame them. I'll be so nice. Oh, my goodness. Oh, if, 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 if. If, if somebody does something to me, if, 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 if they do me wrong, I'll kill them with kindness. Does that even sound spiritual to you? Do you think God wants you to kill them with kindness or win them over with kindness? This kill them with kindness, this shame them, uh, I'll be so nice to them, they'll feel so ashamed of the, the way they treated me um, that, that they'll stop treating me that way. I don't believe that's the scriptural truth to that at all you can look it up if you just did a simple google search on heap coals of fire you'll find if you read long enough you'll find the right definition by some commentator even through a google search what this is and this is where it helps to understand context and culture of the time when the bible was written because the first rule in uh interpretation of the bible is you have to understand it as it was written to whom it was written what did it mean to the people who were reading it then that's what God wants us to understand now. They understood heaping coals of fire on someone's head. Here's the context. In that time in culture, people had to have fire. Their primary source of fire in this geographic region was coal. And they had to keep the fire going all night long to stay warm. They had to have fire to cook, to eat, or they would starve to death. And they were a very poor culture, and people would run out of stuff. Now, we make jokes today. I've never had a neighbor knock on my door and ask if they could borrow some sugar. Which they'd be out of gas if they asked me that, honestly. I mean, I'd give them $5, they'd go buy some sugar. But, I mean, you, you can't get water out of a rock. And don't come to my house asking, do, do I have a tablespoon of vinegar? Because I don't. Uh, but they would go to neighbors. If their fire went out, they would go to people that knew had their back. Because if you've got to ask something precious, now some people are just crazy. Some people are just out of their mind crazy and are willing to ask a total stranger for something really valuable. Like, hey, uh, I don't know you at all, but, yo, can you pay my car payment? No. I mean, I could, but I won't. But there are people in this room that if they came to me and asked me that, I would pay it for them. Why? Well, one, the Bible says don't cast your pearls before the swine. You don't give precious things to people who aren't going to have any respect for them. That's, that's A. Stop giving money to drug addicts that are using your money to buy drugs with. That's a different message for a different time. But people would go to somebody, a family member, a close friend, because nobody had a lot. And if they were going to, if you went and you said, my fire is out, can you give me some coals to start my fire back? My family is cold. They wouldn't go, you, you don't go to your enemy and ask them that. Are you following me? you got to go to somebody that you know has your back. But what this idiom is trying to teach is that if you will learn how to treat your enemies, you can win them over as your friend. It's not to bring them shame and to kill them with kindness and to try to make them feel bad about themselves. If somebody took the and they carried pans on their head, 
You just can't go, hey, hey, man, give me a couple hot burning coals real quick. I'm going to take them to my house. You can't carry coals that way. It was a culture that then and still does carry much on top of their heads, and they would take a tin on top of their heads and people that loved them truly. Because you just couldn't give this to strangers. It was, it was sustenance for you. It was life for you. Would take the precious uh, resource that they had, and they would give it to somebody that they truly cared about. Now, imagine if you were out of what you needed. And none of your friends would help you. And none of your family would help you. And you still needed it. And the only person that helped you was somebody that you had done wrong. It's not about them killing you with kindness. It's not about them bringing shame. It's about them showing you true Christian love. It's about them really doing something for you, not to hurt you. See that whole, I'll kill them with kindness, he, he, he. That's you being evil and trying to do evil on somebody. That's not a Christian virtue at all. This Christian virtue is teaching, even if they are your enemy, you should do something so generous, so overwhelming them in love that they will stop wanting to be your enemy because we got to try to win our enemies to the Lord, and we can't do that by shaming them. We can't do that by belittling them, but we can't do that by loving them. And what you need to learn how to do is give your best to everybody. You start giving your best even to your enemy, and it won't be the shame. People think, well, they'll be so shamed, they'll start treating me better. No, they won't. That, 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 you, 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 can't, you can't win evil with evil. You, you can't overcome hate with hate. It's the goodness of the Lord that leads people to repentance. When they see your goodness, when they see you truly loving them, that love will overwhelm them. And when you heap coals of fire on your enemy's head, you've really done something good for them out of your heart. And I wonder how many people in this room today could even imagine doing something good to somebody who had been your enemy. Uh, I told y'all when it happened how, how overwhelmed I was with the Christianity of the one family. I don't even remember who it was, um, but uh, some, some, woman, some woman cop had, had uh, shot a, a, a black man who was a Christian, and his mother forgave her immediately. And when his brother got on the stand, he saw the woman in distress crying, and he asked the judge, can I go give her a hug? And I thought, and he said, I'm a Christian, my brother was a Christian, and I know he would forgive her, and I've forgiven her, and I don't want to see anyone in distress. I thought, oh, these people right here, they're taking Christianity serious. I don't know where they got raised. <laughs> I'm like, is this what we're supposed to do? Yes. Can most of us do it? No. Do we need to grow to the place where we honor God more than our need for vengeance? If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. If he needs a friend, be a friend. These are not easy words, but this is the life that God has for his children. And in so doing, you will do something so overwhelmingly loving for them that love conquers everything. Dr. King told us over and over and over again, you can't stop hate with hate. Hate cannot conquer hate. Only love can conquer hate. And we've got to learn how to love our enemies. And that takes leaning on the Lord. If you really want to be who God wants you to be, you're going to have to learn how to depend on Christ and stop just living in your own strength. Uh, earlier in Romans 12, great ver you ought to go home this week, read Romans 12. It's one of the greatest chapters in all the Bible for practical living and the way God expects his children to live. Uh, earlier in verse 12, 
Verse 14 commands us to bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Are you capable of that? Are you capable of that? Can you really pray for God? Now, see, everybody can pray for their enemies. Everybody can pray, uh, God, I pray you change their heart and make them not stop being so mean to me. But can you really pray that God would bless your enemies? Can you really pray that God would bless people who have done you wrong? This is the command of the Lord. And the way that God is going to bless them, get ready for it. Many times by your hand. Many times you will be the one, the instrument of God's grace that he chooses to use to do something so extraordinary that you would follow God's word and not your lower instinct. Last verse and we're done. Verse 21 says, do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is our original text verse. This is the verse I want to close on, and this is the verse I want you to take away remembering and applying to your life. Do not be overcome by evil. The Bible says that God has made us to be overcomers, that God has given us victory. God has given us a way to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit so that we could do things above our lower nature, so that we could do things in a way that would honor God no matter how shocking it is to human beings. I've told you many times I have been so happy walking away from a situation where uh, I have never dealt well with aggression. I've never dealt well with confrontation. But people that know me the best know that I despise confrontation. I don't do well with it internally. It ties me up in knots. I don't, I don't do well uh, with, with confrontation. And people are like, well, you, you, sure, you sure do get in a lot of arguments. I'm just not a coward. And if somebody needs to be told the truth, I'll tell them the truth. It doesn't mean I enjoy the confrontation. Somebody's just got to be bold enough to stand up for the truth. But I don't do, deal well with aggression. Um, I was raised in a very violent home, and aggression was always met with uh, equal or greater aggression. And that's just, I mean, if you grew up on the west side of Jacksonville, that's just the life everybody where I grew up lived. Uh, if, if you start some, you're going to get some. And this is not how I was raised. I, I, I was raised to, they started and I finished it. That's not Christianity. That's not what God wants. God does not want us to be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil with good. Think about other things that the scripture says. If someone hits you on your cheek, turn the other cheek. That's so contrary to human nature. If somebody does you wrong, to just take it gladly and ask God to bless them. It's so contrary to human nature that somebody ought to be thinking, does God really think anybody's going to live like that? The answer is yes. I, I, I've had so many times where it was just a blessing to me, and it was God giving me a peek in, into his goodness in my life. The, the times where I've had people aggress me wrongly, now, I'm telling you, I've had to set up boundaries. I can't even go to the fair anymore. I love going to the fair, but every time I go to the Greater Jacksonville Agricultural Fair, some 5-foot, 530-pound hillbilly with a flannel shirt on and a cowboy hat on wants to bump into me and, what, what, what? Breathe. So I'm like, it ain't even worth getting funnel cake at the fair anymore. But I do try to sneak off to Clay County and get a sausage dog. That's a different message for a different group. 
But on times where people have brought massive aggression to me and I've chosen the right way and I've, I've met that aggression with love and I've, and I've given them the mind of Christ and not my own mind and then when I get away from that and I reflect on it, I know God is proud of me and I love that. I know my heavenly father is proud of me and that's what I want because I believe every good child wants mom and daddy to be happy with them. And you ought to want God to be happy with you more than you want to uh, enforce your own need for vengeance. And it's in those times where I know, and, and, and I've just laughed at myself and said, man, I know I'm saved for real. Because if I wasn't saved, that would went a whole different way. I want you to live a life like that to where you're routinely having an awareness that, wow, I must be really saved. Because if I wasn't, it would went a different way. Back in the day, the old me would have dealt with that a different way. There ought to be an old you and a new you. And you ought to love God enough to want to live the new you. And you ought to want to please your Heavenly Father enough to obey what He says. The Bible says to obey is better than sacrifice. Everyone made a sacrifice by coming to church today. Some will make a sacrifice and give some money in the offering. Some made a sacrifice by showing up early for choir practice. Some made sacrifices by, by parking and helping. Some ushers are going to make a sacrifice, but to obey is better than sacrifice. I'm going to close with this. I've told you many times, I know what a father wants because I are one. That's funny because it's wrong. Every father wants the same thing. Total obedience and no drama. Just do what I say. My kids have been raised their whole life here, here in one expression. First time, every time. I don't want to have to repeat myself. A father wants total obedience, no drama. You know what God wants? He's our heavenly father. He wants total obedience and no drama. He just wants us to trust him and do what he tells us to do. It's not always easy, but it's always right. So don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, if you spend too much time watching one group of politicians bash the other group. You're going to come away thinking this group is right and that group's wrong. Then you flip the channel and watch this group bash that group. And you'll think, well, I don't know. They make some good points here. Maybe those people. Listen, stop looking for people to be angry with. And start living the life God called you to live. Be at peace with everybody. Love your enemies. Pray for God to bless them. Because if you don't, you've been overcome by evil. You might not even realize it, but some of you in this room have been overcome by evil. You're tied up by it on the inside. You're angry. Angry at people you don't even know. Angry at whole groups of people. Angry at, at, at just, just crazy stuff that doesn't change your day-to-day -day life. Wanting revenge. Wanting, wanting, wanting things to be married. Listen, leave it in the hands of the Lord. All that is the trick of the devil to stop you to, to get you to stop focusing on how little time you spend in prayer. All that's the trick of the devil to get you to stop focusing on your own need for holiness. All that's the trick of the devil to make you angry at a different group of people so you won't see the sin in your own life. Don't be overcome. We live in a world that's being overcome by evil. It hadn't always been this way in my lifetime. The news used to just be the news. 
There's no real news anymore. There's no real news. There's news with an agenda. And I don't care which channel you choose to put. They, they all have their own agenda. And their agenda is to wind you up and make you mad at the other side. Just wind you up and make you mad at somebody else. So you'll never do what the Bible says. Examine your own selves. The Christian life is a life of personal evaluation. How are you doing, Christian? Are you living right? Are you praying? Are you reading your Bible? Are you spending daily time with God? Are you so wound up with anger, frustration, need for revenge? You've been overcome by evil. The only way to do better is to overcome evil with good. I want you to start praying for people you've been upset with. I want you to start praying for people who have wronged you. But know this, once you start praying for them, for God to bless them, he might use you to bless them. Are you ready for that? Are you able for that? This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for living a perfect life in front of us to show us that these things can be done. God, you know in our own flesh we are not able. We are sinful. We are proud. And we are rebellious. But God, I ask you to change our hearts. Mold us and shape us by your spirit to honor you and to obey you. God, I pray for every wounded person in this room who's looking for vengeance. Let them fall in love with you. Let them love you more than they hate their enemy. And let our love for you cause us to love everybody. Thank you, God, for your word. I pray that you'd help us learn it, help us live it, and help us honor you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.